Uh, all right, so here we are in Lesson 25, Signs of the Times. We're going to be back in Matthew 24, but as Ray was praying, uh, I just want to say a couple of things. You know, when you think of like things and indicators that you're looking for, right? Like, hey, what are our markers that we're looking for? Hey, this is before he comes back. I think if you took a survey, most people probably get a little nervous about the end times. The reality is, is the reason people are asking because there's a little bit of anxiety. Hey, are we getting, and, and there's a fear that creeps in. And as you were praying, Ray, I just had, I asked the Lord for an image and he just showed me Jesus on the boat. Do you remember when Jesus was sleeping on the boat and all the disciples were freaking out? Do you remember this? Like, hey, what's your problem? What, what is your deal? And Jesus is like, oh yeah, what? You know, kind of comes to, and he's got it all figured out. He comes up and then he, what does he do? He just calms the waves, calms the wind, and everything just calms down. Why? Because he ultimately knows who's in control. And so when you think about the end times, signs of the times, we see these indicators, but Jesus knows every single one of them. And there's going to be a time that we're talking about seven years where it might feel like Jesus is asleep. People are running, people are fleeing. It's like chaos. And Christ is like, I, I got it. I got it. So if you can have this picture of Christ just, I don't want to say resting, but yes, because he has a bigger plan and a better plan that's coming after these seven years. And so anyway, I just keep, keep playing into that, into your mind, into your heart. And I, I just pray that that speaks to you. Okay, so if we can, we're going to talk about some of the signs of the times. And last week, couple of the things that we had talked about, do you remember, was birth pains. And uh, Ray, you want to just give a quick overview of some of the birth pains that we talked about last week, if you don't mind? You know, we talked about, you know, wars and rumors of wars, uh, famines, you know, and some cross-references. We see pestilence. So it's really just the, uh, the result of multiple people coming into agreement with the demonic realm and the spirit realm, and it's starting to bring that reality to the earth. <laughs> and when you think of birth, we talked about this, what happens as it continues to get closer? Yeah, it's so uh, the birth pains, uh, not speaking from experience, but <laughs> uh, birth pains get more intense and the uh, frequency increases the closer you get um, to the event, and I believe the birth pains are leading up to uh, the Antichrist uh, being revealed. Okay, so in this, uh, I think this is important, Ray, to, to build on this. The first seal, remember we had made a comparison to the seals in Revelation. And so in this process, you have a total of seven seals. Last week, we had just made the comparison of the warnings was what? the fault, We're going to see false messiahs, right? Uh, and then it also gets into the second seal, talks about war. War is coming. Again, these are all warnings that we've alluded to, but just in the third seal, it talks about famine, which means people are going to be looking for food, constantly starving, constantly on the, on the lookout for that process. And number four, uh, Ray, for the fourth seal, it was really... It's really death. It's really death. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't have that written down, but it's really death in allude to, you know, all of these aspects point to death. So you have four seals. Again, I just want to make this tie in from Revelation to Matthew 24. Okay, so the more that you can keep seeing this tie in from Matthew 24 to Revelation, when you get to Revelation, you're actually not surprised. 
Now, in, in Mark, it talks about the disciples were asking these questions, right? Hey, when will these things happen? Remember, the other question is, what is the sign of your coming? Then there's another question, what is the sign of the end of your age? And so then Jesus begins to go into these birth pains, these warnings, and then how they tie into the book of Revelation. Why do I say that? Because the disciples in Mark pull Jesus aside. They say, hey, you know, when are these hangs happening? And it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew. So technically, it was four guys. And so what we like to talk about, and I like this, Ray says, is that, you know, Matthew 24 is, is an overview, a big picture of what's to come. But now Peter, James, John, and Andrew, John then come pull John out, and he writes the book of Revelation with a lot more detail. Okay, does that make sense? So Matthew 24 is an overview, and then you pull John out. He's already heard this. He's like, now I'm going to write some more details based on the visions that he saw from Christ. Okay, so just kind of keep thinking, well, that's a little bit more detailed than here. Yes, and it's the same thing like in the Gospels. The Gospels you see sometimes an overview, and sometimes you'll see more specifics. Again, it's all from a different perspective. Now, during the birth pains, okay, things are going to continue to build and build and build. Another sign of the times that we talked about was a peace treaty. Ray, you want to allude to this? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I like to make the analogy of Hitler during World War II. You really knew who, who he was going to attack next because he would cut a peace treaty with him. So this is an illusion of peace. It's not a legitimate real peace. And it, in another passage of scripture, it talks about you know, while they're saying peace, disaster is going to come. Just so everybody's on the same page, who's negotiating peace between who and who? You know, we know from Scripture there's a ten-nation federation, so for sure they're involved, but it could be uh, a much bigger picture. It could be kind of a global-type peace treaty because everybody is, you know, weary of the war in the Middle East, and it's all over this one small piece of land that God says is mine and everybody's arguing about it. Yeah. And so everybody's eager for somebody to create a path to peace. And so that's why they're going to buy into this illusion of peace because they're really hungry for it. And this illusion of peace is initiated by this little slippery person called the Antichrist. That's why you got to just it, unwatch. We have to be unwatched to look for these things. When this takes place, you guys, and we, we, I wrote this down last week, but I think it's time that we start really unpacking this. This will begin what we call the tribulation. And the tribu tribulation lasts seven years. So now in Matthew 24, verse 9, let's start digging into the word. Matthew 24, verse 9, it says, okay, once that peace takes place, then they will hand you over for persecution. These are believers. And they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. This is what we would call the beginning of the persecution uh, or, or the tribulation time period. Now, how do we get this? Where do we go to? I want you guys to write down, if you would, Daniel 9, uh, specifically uh, verse 24. I want to start in verse 24 first, because I think there's two reasons that you need to understand the tribulation takes place. One, Israel was a mess, you guys. Israel is still not turning to the Lord. Even now in the New Testament period, Israel's still not turning to the Lord. Fair statement? You got less than 1% of the Jews that have not cried out to the Messiah, or that have cried out to the Messiah. So 99%, 98% have not. So in Daniel 9, 24, it begins to talk about this purpose of the tribulation. 70 weeks. Uh, a week is what, Ray? That's a week is a year. A week is a year in this scripture in Daniel. So 70 weeks, 70, right, times seven are decreed about your people and your holy city. 
to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to wipe away iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So when you see this, Daniel 9, 24, you have to have an understanding. Part of the process of the tribulation in these seven years is to get Israel's attention. Does that make sense? To get them, because look what it says, put a stop to sin. We've got to wipe away iniquity to bring everlasting righteousness. I'm going to usher in a better plan. So when you think of the tribulation, I think so many of us think it's falling, rocks are falling on our heads, right? It's all chaos. Yes, it will be. But the first part you have to understand, it's because he wants the Jews to turn to him. It's not just destruction, you guys. It's to get his people to look. And I think to me, when you have an understanding that God wants the Jews to turn to him, he allows these things to happen. It works. It makes sense in this. At the same time, I think it's fair to say the tribulation, I'm trying to give you a big picture before we begin to unpack this. He also wants to bring, and judgment is going to take place upon the nations. This seven-year period is not just for the Jews to turn to him. He's like saying at the same time, you know what? I'm tired of this with the nations. Does that make sense, Ray? And the biggest outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival is going to break out as a result. Amen. I want to go to Daniel 9, 27. Uh, how long... How long do we know that this is going to take place, this peace treaty? Well, Daniel 9, 27 says, The Antichrist, he, will make a firm covenant with many for what? For one week. That one week equals, again, seven years. So we know that this firm covenant is a peace treaty with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he's going to put a stop to sacrifice and offering. We can talk to that in a little bit, but I want to paint a bigger picture here of, yes, the tribulation is seven years. Now, in this process of the tribulation, what does this look like? How will this unfold? Well, let's go to Matthew 24, verse 10. Matthew 24, verse 10, in the process of tribulation, this is all the, you guys have heard these great phrases, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Yeah, we're not going to go there. Matthew 24, verse 10. Hey, you want to know why? I think you'll hear my view actually in my teaching. I'm just kind of tired of labels, to be honest. And you're going to say, well, come on, let's give me that. You know, I, I just think, let the word speak for itself. I'm tired of, I'm not saying we can't hear from other teachers. I'm not saying that because I think you learn from people. But I think we make assumptions based on that teaching rather than us going there ourselves. The best teachers that I ever heard at Dallas Seminary were ones that presented it and said, okay, you go for it, search. And so that's my role. My role is to present it in a way you're like, okay, where does this fit in? All I know is that in Matthew 24, verse 9, Kevin, if you could just go back there real quick, it says, they will hand you over for persecution. At that point, what does that even apply? I, I was actually expecting an answer, but I realized we don't do that here. <laughs> Ray, what does that imply? If he's handing you over for persecution. It's, it's uh, I believe the peace is gone. You're there. You're there, you're in it. You're there. So just that simple fact alone in Matthew 24, verse 9 implies, hey, I'm turning you over for persecution and they're going to kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will take offense, betray one another and hate one another. It's going to be a little bit of chaos. And many false prophets will rise up and what's going to happen? And it says they will deceive many. Now watch this in verse 12, because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. In this context of Matthew 24, verse 13, it sure looks like nobody's leaving. Now you can say, well, now I already know where you view. All I'm just saying is, this, don't look at the labels, just look at the text. 
just look at the text. That's all I'm asking is that when we have this theories of I'm out here before this, this text would allude nothing to that point. And it describes it as in this period, lawlessness will multiply and the love will grow cold. Can I just tell you, like, no, I don't think that the peace treaty has been signed. I don't think that the Antichrist is here in the sense of implementing the seven years. I don't think that yet, okay? But I do think there's some indicators. Man, we sure are getting closer. And then here's the other aspect. The love of many will grow cold. You want to know how this gets to this point? The love of many gets to this point. Kevin, can you go to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4? I want to show you how I actually think this starts to happen. The love of many will grow cold. So there's these signs, there's these indicators. Tony Hicks on our team, he actually taught a Bible study on this text last week. And this is how I think it says this. But know this, difficult times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without, here it is, love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of religion but denying its power, avoid these People, I believe when we become lovers of ourselves, the love for others just starts to dissipate. Like this is a description, I think what's happening in the church today. We're becoming more consumed with the worldly things. Now we can laugh all we want about selfie pictures, but can you imagine talking about selfies 15 years ago? Like what? You just sit and you take a picture of yourself all the time? all the time. And when we focus so much on ourselves, we don't see people around us. And all of this has to lead into verse 13. It says the one who endures to the end will be delivered. Ray, you want to jump in? Well, it's, you know, you're bringing all of this up because, you know, it's not like we're just cruising along in life somebody snaps their fingers and all this stuff starts happening. There's a buildup. And so, you know, you're doing a great job of showing how the trend is. You know, there's patterns happening right in front of us. You know, we overplay the, you know, we won't know the day or the hour and ignore the fact that we can know the season. Yeah. So in the process, I want to say, can you go to Jude? Um, Jude, there's only one chapter. It's verse 24. So when you say Jude 1, 24, it doesn't really make sense, but Jude 24. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. I, I love this text. Why? Because in all of this, in all of Jude, it's all about countering all of these, this uh, apostasy. How do you stand up against these things? You have to start praying that God would protect us in the process and not stumble which is why in Matthew 24, verse 13, uh, it says, I want you to endure into the end. I want you to endure into this process. So Kevin, if you go back to Matthew 24, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. Now the end, a lot of us will think, okay, does that mean I made it until what? what? What is the end? And then I'll be delivered. Well, think about the context. What are we in? We're in the tribulation. So according to Matthew 24, 13, what is he asking? He wants the one to endure until the end of the tribulation. 
And then that leads into where, right? Then we, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just I'll just simply, keep it just go simple. simply. It goes into the, uh, Thank the you. millennial. <laughs> oh, man, I just saw that one. I was like, yeah. we don't have time for that yeah, one right now. Just okay, so, all out for me. so here, <laughs> that's just weird end times theology humor right there that nobody else gets. It's not even worth it. So the point is this, after seven years, like this is right here, the one who endures to the end will be delivered. Delivered from what though? What was he talking about in the beginning? The persecution, the death, the threats, all of that, right? Is that fair? So in this, this period of time that we've been talking about, right? It goes to our, uh, I believe our, our fifth seal, Revelation 6 verse 9, Kevin, if you would. Our fifth seal when he opened uh, the seal, I saw under the altar the people slaughtered because of God's word and the testimony they had. Ray, tie in the fifth seal with that, if you would. Well, it's it's the uh, martyrdom that, that Jesus is talking about. So not everybody's going to be delivered. That's a fair statement it, in this it, context. It is. I also believe uh, that there's a grace. You, you see an example of it with Stephen. I believe if God calls you to martyrdom, it's not going to be fearful. It's going to be, you know, one of the most elevated things you could possibly do is to die for Jesus since he died for you. And we see an example of the grace of it with Stephen. Uh, and it's the only scripture that talks about Jesus standing after he's been resurrected. And he was standing for Stephen, honoring him as he comes home. I bet you Stephen didn't feel one of those rocks because he's looking at where he's headed. Yeah. Okay, great, great point. So we've talked about our birthing pains, right? What we're looking to looking for, we're looking for a peace treaty. We're looking for that peace treaty initiate seven years. We get that from Daniel, by the way, right? He's going to make a firm covenant with many. And then that alludes to in this tribulation. Then, Kevin, I want to go to Matthew 24, verse 14 first, and then I'm going to, for a reason. Okay, it says, This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Well, this is like, an amazing text. This text is what drives me every single day. If you come into our office, this is a text that we have up on a wall. Like, this is how we think. We want the gospel to go to every person, every people group, and every nation. But I'm not going to talk about it right now. Okay? Why? Because Matthew 24, 14 is after the end of the tribulation. Does that make sense? Like, all of this takes place. So, in that context, sometimes when we read things, you're kind of like, okay, um, this timeline, how does this work, <laughs> right? So I wanted to say something. I'm going to come back to Matthew 24, 14, but now go to Matthew 24, verse 15. So when you see the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So now what you see is, is it says the abomination of desolation. Now remember, we've talked about this so many times. You have seven years, right, of tribulation. Okay. In the middle of the tribulation on the three and a half year period, it says you will see an abomination desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. Let's go to the prophet Daniel. So we know what he's talking about. Daniel 9, 27. And by the way, the old Testament always keeps pointing to the future. In Daniel 9, 27, it says he will make a firm covenant, right? With many for one week. We alluded to that. That's how we got the tribulation. But in the middle of the week, in the middle of the seven years, three and a half years, he will put, he, the Antichrist, will put a stop to sacrifice and offering. 
if he's putting a stop to sacrifice and offering, he's implying that a third temple is already in place. Some form of sacrifice and offerings are taking place in Jerusalem. So what you do know as a marker, okay, is a simple marker is that when the peace treaty is here, when the tribulation is here, we have to be looking for some form of the third temple. We don't know what it's going to look like exactly because in Ezekiel, we believe at the end, it's talking about the, the, um, the millennial temple, but we don't really have a description of the third temple. We just know that in the peace, now think about this, you guys, in the Middle East in Jerusalem, an old city, you have the Muslims that have Old Aska Mosque, Al Aska Mosque, they have the Dome of the Rock, and then you have the Jews on the Western Wall. Wouldn't it really make sense if somebody comes in and says, could you guys just get along for a little bit? Like something like that. Why? So that we could maybe put the temple here? Now, we don't know when, but I, I do think it's important that you understand. In the middle of this, this Antichrist is going to say, no more Jewish sacrifice, no more Jewish offering in Old City Jerusalem. It's done. So in the middle of that, that's what's going to take place. Now, I want you to go to 2 Thessalonians, if you would. 2, 3, and 4. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. This gets even more practical in the middle of this. Don't let anybody deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Who's the man of lawlessness, right? It's the Antichrist. The Antichrist. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in God's sanctuary, publicizing that he himself is God. The Antichrist is going to make a home for himself in the middle of the temple and saying, he's God. This little slippery weasel that's going to come in and do all these little peace deals, all of a sudden is going to declare that he's God. And again, this is in the middle of the seven-year period. We'll go to verse 16 of Matthew 24. So when this takes place, there's lists of things of what you should do. Okay, that's all I can tell you. Is that There's a list. It says, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Okay, now, Ray, who's those in Judea? Who, who are we talking about that's He's in that place? talking about the Jewish, Jewish people. The Jewish people that are practically in Israel, right? Yep. In Jerusalem, in that area, in Judea, you got to flee to the mountains. I'm going to come back to this verse. He gives other descriptions. As the abomination of desolation takes place, in the last three and a half years, when this starts you got to run to the mountains. A man on the housetop, don't go down and get the things out of your house. It's kind of like that fire mentality. What's the last thing I'd get? He says, don't even think about going back. He says in Matthew 24, verse 18, a man in the field must not go back to get his clothes. Matthew 24, 19, woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. It's not saying you can't be pregnant. It's not saying you can't be nursing a child. It's just saying it's a lot harder to run. Right? It's a lot harder when you got more kids and it's not against kids. This is a hard period of time of life. Pray in verse 20 that you may escape, that your escape may not be in winter because winter back then, you guys, this is not a good season either. Who wants to run when it's cold? Kevin? Now, this is a weird one. Or on Sabbath. Well, I'll just run if it's Sunday or Saturday or Friday, right? It's a different mentality there in, 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 uh, in Israel. They honor Sabbath. 
You don't work. You don't do anything. And so that would be against everything of who you are to do something on that holy day. So when the abomination of desolation takes place, an abomination is defined as anything that causes disgust or hatred, and desolation means devastation. And the Antichrist is all about bringing destruction in the middle of this. And so fleeing to the mountains, where are they running? I love this context. Where are they running? Well, there's lots of different thoughts on this. Uh, I want you to go, if you don't mind, Kevin, can you go to, ooh, uh, let's go to Isaiah 41. Go to Isaiah 41, verse 17. Again, I think this is really practical, actually. I think God gives a game plan for the Jews on where to run. Isaiah 41, verse 17 says, The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the barren heights and springs in the middle of the plains. I will turn the desert into a pool of water and dry land into springs of water. I'll plant cedars in the desert, acacias, myrtles and olive trees. I'll put juniper trees in the desert, elms and cypress trees together. Verse 20, it says, so that all may see and know, consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created. I believe that God has an established place for his people to run to for the last three and a half years. Now, what does that exactly look like? I don't know, except I know that he has a place for his people to run. One more text, and I think this is important. Go to Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Why is this important? Because I believe God's preparing a place. He wants his people to cry out, amidst the three and a half years of hell on earth. Isaiah 63, 1, where are they going? Maybe, okay, whenever I, when I were to walk through this, you got to take it before the text. That's all I can say. Who is this coming from Edom in crimson stained garments from Basra? This one who is splendid in his apparel, rightly up proudly in his great might. It is I, proclaiming vindication, powerful to save. Why are your clothes red and your garments like one who treads at winepress? I trampled the winepress alone and no one from the nations was with me. I trampled them in my anger and ground uh, them underfoot in my fury. Their blood spattered my gardens, garments and all my clothes were stained. Yeah, it just goes on, Kevin, to verses 4, 5, and 6. And it talks about this. Uh, go to verse 6, if you would, Kevin. Yeah, I crushed nations in my anger. I made, drunk, I made them drunk with my wrath, and I poured out their blood on their ground. I believe that God is going to bring his judgment eventually onto the nations, and he's going to free his people into a place. Now, is it 100% that it's in Basra? It's not 100%. But just so you guys know what Basra looks like and possibly where it could be, uh, here you have Basra and, and uh, Petra. Some people have them a lot closer. Some people have them farther away. But all I want to just emphasize is that at some point, they are being prophesied. They're going to run across the Jordan River. So in the middle of all of this, when this happens, at that point, they got to start running. And don't go back for your iPhone. And that's what they'd be going back for, right? Don't go back for your safe. Don't go back for your clothes. Don't go back for your bike. Go. Can you go to one more verse? Daniel eleven forty one. 41. Daniel eleven forty one. 41. <laughs> he will also invade the beautiful land and many will fall, but these will escape from his power. Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of the Ammonites. 
it's kind of crazy, you guys. Uh, there will be a places of escape. If he gives us a picture into this, why would we not start telling them? Why would we not start saying, do you know what your own word says in the Old Testament? Ray, you got anything to all this? You know, part of having this way of escape is revealing his kindness in the midst of all of this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be part of the softening of the heart. To the Jews? Yes. Okay, so we have these different, uh, what I'd say, right? The birthing pains, peace treaty. This launches into the seven-year tribulation. In three and a half years, you have the Antichrist, right? He comes in and he declares he's, he's God. And at that point, the Jews are told to flee. And I think based on numbers, it, it could be a fair statement. There could be some foreigners with them. Go to Matthew 24, if you guys would. Join me here in verse 21 as we kind of keep building on this story here. Okay, so now remember, all these things are supposed to do. Don't go back after that, right? In Matthew 24, 21, it says, For at that time, there will be a great tribulation. He's referencing, by the way, the abomination of desolation. At that time, when this starts, three and a half years, the kind, there will be a, so these are Jesus' words. This is not some theological Christian term from a seminary. The great tribulation was actually coined by Jesus. So Jesus says the last three and a half years are called the great tribulation. And it's a kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were limited, no one would survive. But those days would be limited because of the elect. Okay, let's talk through a little bit about what this could look like. Okay, let's go to Daniel 12, verse 1. Daniel 12, verse 1, slash B. You know, whenever people reference this, there's A or B in the beginning or the, the second part. Daniel 12, verse 1. Uh, again, the major, uh, the prophet is saying this. There will be a time of distress such as never has, such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time, Right? So here you have Daniel alluding to the same language that Christ is talking about. He calls it a time of distress. Jesus called it the great tribulation. Okay, now let's keep going in this process. Can you go to Jeremiah 30, verse 7? Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Again, same reference. And you guys will know this term as soon as you read it. How awful that day will be. There will be none like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be delivered out of it. Now you're starting to see how is he getting delivered? He's giving them an outlet. So in this great tribulation, this Jacob's distress, I'm giving him an outlet. So the, the great tribulation begins here. When does it end? The great tribulation ends at the second coming. Now I get it. There's some other conversations that we could have in that, but big picture, Big picture, it ends at his second coming. The great tribulation, right? These are the three and a half years. The last three and a half years. I think let's go there, Ray. Let's go to Revelation 13, 5, 6, and 7. Let's just, let's go there for a little bit. Revelation 13, 5, 6, and 7. Whenever I get that little smirk from Ray, I, I know. So Revelation 13, uh, five, six, and seven. Right. Let's clean this up once I read it, if that's okay. <laughs> a mouth was given to him to speak boasts and blasphemies. He was also given authority to act for 42 months. Kevin, how long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. He began to speak blasphemies against God to blaspheming his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And he was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. 
He was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Okay, Ray, who's, who's this guy that we're talking about? The Antichrist. This is the Antichrist. So go back to verse 7. Okay, the Antichrist is permitted to wage war against who? The saints. Who are the saints? <clears throat> I believe it's Jew and Gentile believers. So if Jew and Gentile are here, they're not out of the picture. There are people here in the tribulation. In these 42 months is when? Yeah, it's the, the latter part. The latter part. When you begin to look at the bigger picture of all of this, you're like, hang on a second. Daniel's talking about this. Jesus is talking about this. John, who had an interview with Jesus, is now talking about this. And he says, hey, by the way, when this happens, he's going to be really, really ticked off. I'll tell you why he's going to be ticked off. we got another couple points to get to. But in this great tribulation, you can expect war against the saints. And guess what? It says he's going to conquer them even at that point. But what do we already know, you guys, at this point? In the tribulation, what takes place? Death, martyrdom, persecution. So like this actually doesn't contradict anything. You want to add anything to that? Well, I mean, since we're going there, the passage you read earlier in Thessalonians. Yeah. The, one of the main reasons. The second that, Thessalonians one? Yeah, yeah. One of the main reasons it's written is because people were telling that congregation the day of the Lord had already come. Yes. And he says, don't be confused. That day won't come until the man of lawlessness is revealed. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you guys are even grasping this. I think you are. I think you are. Uh, but this is really, really important. The last three and a half years, 42 months, Satan's got a whole lot of room to work. And it feels like Jesus is just sleeping. We'd rather Jesus... Stop the boat now. Get rid of the waves because Jesus, this is not how we do life. We like it peaceful. Take us out now. I think he gives us example after example after example. If you want to live like me, you go through it. Right? I think also we have to look at the redemptive heart of God. Yeah. A lot of times people have to hit rock bottom before they'll turn to him. Yeah. And... Some of this, even though it may, it certainly isn't going to feel like it, a lot of this is grace. He's giving maximum opportunity hmm. to turn to Him. Amen. Kevin, go back to Matthew 24, verses 22 uh, through 28. Uh, I almost jumped ahead. Matthew 24, verses 22 through 28. It says, unless those days were limited, no one would survive. But those days will be limited because of the elect. Who are we talking about now in the elect? Up until this point, we've been talking about the Jews. Right? Yep. Now, who are we talking about? Uh, it's, it's those who believe in Jesus. It's the elect. Yeah, because there's no distinction between Jew or Gentile when they have faith in Christ. That's the elect, right? So these days will be limited. These days will be what? If you go to verse, uh, well, are they shortened? Ray? I, I think it, I, I'm just going to keep... Uh, Poking the bear? Yeah. Well, actually, I want to <laughs> keep uh, promoting the redemptive heart of God. Mm -hmm. He is showing, I'm letting this go... Because when my wrath gets poured out, this is going to get really messy. I'm giving maximum time for everybody that wants to turn to me to turn to me. And so even though the delay feels, you know, like, well, man, God's letting everything get horrible. It's because of yeah. what comes out of it. Yeah. It's, it's those that have been delaying and putting off receiving Jesus. And 
He's just letting them have maximum opportunity to turn to him. And so Matthew 24, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony. So what are one of the signs? Is that the gospel goes to everybody. The gospel will be proclaimed. And so for me, what are some of the signs of what's going to happen? The gospel is going to be proclaimed. We could spend all day on this, honestly. Can you go to 1 Timothy 2.4 just as one context here? 1 Timothy 2.4. And by the way, I really don't know what this looks like. I would love to tell you that every ethnos, every people group, every nation exactly gets to hear. I don't know what it looks like. I just know in 1 Timothy 2.4, the heart of the Father is he wants everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So whenever that plan is officially yes, then we know that it will come to the end. And who doesn't want to play a part of that? Well, I don't really want to be a part of this or this. <laughs> I don't really want to be a part of any of this, but I know that I can play one part in preparation and that start sharing the gospel today. What's the best way to prepare for his return? Start talking about how your life has been changed. Now, I have one more point because I think it'll transition to next week, which next week will be a humdinger. That's all I can tell you. We've hardly stepped on toes. Just wait till next week. Uh, I will tell you this. In Matthew 24, it just says this. Kevin, can you go to verse 29? Matthew 24, uh, if you guys would, verse 29. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. Okay? Golly. Number seven. You ready for this one, y'all? Satan is going to get kicked out of heaven. The gospel, remember Matthew 24, 14, the gospel is going to go to all the nations and then the end will come. So you're seeing a bigger picture, not all the details, but a bigger picture. Now in Matthew 24, 29, it says immediately after the tribulation. Ray, when is that? It's the wrath part. Okay, so at the end of, for our conversation, these seven years and this I think a better way to say it is before he comes back. Yes. Right? Before Jesus comes back, before we get into some of the things that Ray's alluding to, before Jesus comes back, the sun is going to get dark. The moon will not shed its light. And by the way, you can start telling your kids and people around you how to start looking for these things. And you can say, well, this sounds creepy. But like last night, you know, I was with some of my kids. I don't even know where we were. We were driving. And like it was an incredible sunset. And then sunrise. Like you see all these things. And then sometimes, you know how it's like just disappears? My little boy Jude goes, hey, where's the moon? I don't even see it. And like, do you know? No, it's not a picture. But like, hey, do you know eventually that's what's going to happen? That the moon, it says, will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. Ray, what is all that? Uh, it could be literal uh, happening in the physical realm, but it's certainly spiritual. Yeah. Uh, Satan in the demonic realm no longer have access to heaven. You know, we know from Scripture that he accuses the brethren night and day. That's all done. Uh, And so that falling, the celestial powers falling, means they're restricted to earth uh, during this last part. Something's hitting me pretty hard right now. You remember when Jesus sent the 70 out? And they're out there sharing the gospel, delivering people, healing people. And they come back excited yeah. and they say, Jesus, even the demons submit to us in your name. Yeah. And he said, 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's right. There's a there's a tie to doing the works of Jesus, sharing the gospel to okay. all the earth, and Satan falling yeah. like lightning from heaven. Okay, so this is tied into here. Yeah, that's the, the gospel being declared leads to this. Yes, and that's a that was a prophetic picture of okay. it when they sent the seventy out. Yeah, and they're proclaiming the gospel. Satan's, he said, I saw Satan falling like lightning. It's Luke, Luke 10, verse 18, for those that are looking for a reference. So Jesus is basically saying, when that happens, yes, that again, happens. at the end, Satan is going to fall like lightning from heaven. And because of time, I'm just going to allude to this. This one right here, guys, is the sixth seal. Revelation 6, specifically uh, 12, 13, and 14. Revelation 6, 12, 13, and 14. Remember how there's seven seals, Okay. Now, interesting enough, uh, this is the sixth seal. He says, a violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved from its place. Ray, you good? Yep. Okay, so here we have six seals. How many seals are there, you guys? There's seven. After the sixth seal, what happened? After the sixth seal, yep. God's wrath was poured out. Yes. Now, this is just as we want to close this out. Go to Revelation 12. 7, 8, and 9. Revelation 12, 7, 8, and 9. Again, Matthew 24 alludes to Revelation. We don't have to be afraid, you guys, of the book of Revelation. When we are in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, it all begins to make sense. Revelation 12, verse 7, it says this, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Ray, who's the dragon? Uh, Satan. Satan. The dragon and his angels, those are demons, fallen angels, also fought. But he could not prevail. Okay, the Satan could not prevail, and there was no place for him, for them, any longer in heaven. So there's a fight between Michael and Satan and all the fallen angels and angels. It says the great dragon was thrown out of where? Heaven. The ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the one who deceived the whole world, he was what? Thrown to earth and his angels with him. Okay, so Matthew 24 alludes to Revelation 12, 7, 8, 9. Does this make sense now? Satan fell from heaven. Now, this is the craziest. Please hang in here. Revelation 12, 12, last verse. Revelation 12, 12. It says this, Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, for this period of time has come to you with great fury. The devil has come down to you. So the Satan is coming to earth and to the sea. And he's coming with great fury because he knows he has a short time. He has three and a half years, right, Ray? Or ish. He's got some time and it's very, very limited before the wrath of God comes and Christ comes. Whew. Okay. <laughs> I feel like everybody's just staring at me. Yeah, there's a part three, by the way. Because uh, we haven't even gotten to uh, the really good stuff. <laughs> so, having said that, uh, we got ourselves a really unique signs of the times. Don't make it harder than what it is. Okay? Birth pains, peace treaty, tribulation, abomination of desolation. In this, the last three and a half years is the great tribulation. In this, at the end somewhere, the gospel we proclaim to all the nations. And then in this, Kevin, we talked about this as a group, it's kind of like a circle because it's kind of like, it's not all on exact one minute, same time, same time. It's this kind of the circle mentality. 
And then Satan's going to kick out of heaven. In that process, he's got a limited time with great fury, and he's going to do anything he can to bring destroy, destruction, and uh, and ruin. And so, the best part of all of this, we win. <laughs> we totally win. We win a hundred percent. No way. It's not based on us. It's based on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And he's ready to come and rule and reign for a thousand years. And he's getting the Jewish people ready. He's getting the Gentiles ready. And he's cleaning the riffraff. And you can say, man, that's really hard to say. But it's true. We're delivering the gospel. They're not saying yes. He's given them multiple chances. And Jesus says, I'm ready. Signs of the times. You and I can be ready for this. Thank you.